Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in to week four trends and reactions, reacting to the week three action and finding some trends to help you set your lineups for week four. If you like the video, please give it a thumbs up and make sure you're subscribed. Also, please follow me on Twitter at NateHenryFF. All right, let's get into it. Panthers versus Texans, and we have liftoff. DJ Moore was outstanding in this game, seeing 12 targets and totaling 126 yards. Many are surely upset that he again failed to find the end zone, but Darnold just barely missed Moore on a deep shot by just inches. Moore was able to actually get one hand on that pass, but he just couldn't quite bring it in. I think had this pass been placed just slightly better, Moore would have probably ended up with about 180 yards and a touchdown. DJ Moore's creeping into that wide receiver one territory where you should start him in your lineup without thinking. Chargers versus Chiefs. All right, Clyde Edwards, hello. Uh, Mr. M-E-H for meh in weeks one and two finally showed what he was capable of, both on the ground and in the air. Now, almost all his great production came after a fumble, so perhaps the fear of getting bench actually motivated him to show out. Now, I'm not doing any backflips or anything about this production. He still only saw two targets. I'd really like that to be like four or more, but here we are celebrating pretty good for Clyde. Regardless, 19 opportunities is a strong workload and actually more opportunities than Austin Eckler had in the same game. And two of these opportunities for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire came in the green zone. He'll likely be ranked as an RB2 all season, but that's mostly just because of the solid workload. Bonus impression. Eckler split green zone carries in this game with uh, Larry Roundtree. Roundtree got a couple, but they didn't really go very well. So perhaps his ineffectiveness will give this role firmly back to Eckler. Eckler's great, though, so don't read this as anything more than just optimism. There's no fear that he's losing any roles that we didn't think he had. Cardinals versus Jaguars. DeAndre Hopkins didn't look fully healthy to me. Uh, He played a full snap share, but he only saw five targets. Christian Kirk and AJ Green were the ones who picked up the slack, each going over 100 receiving yards. I think if you have to add one, I would lean Kirk, who saw more targets and just looks more dynamic running routes. Took AJ Green to pull down a couple of contested catches to rack up the 100 yards that he did. Bears versus Browns. Justin Fields is a rookie, and he's making bad rookie mistakes. But some of these mistakes aren't just being a rookie. They're hubris. Fields is holding onto the ball forever. He's indecisive and waiting for a big window rather than taking what he can get. I think he believes in his ability to escape the pocket so much that he's relying on his legs too much. That actually led to nine sacks in only 20 passing attempts. That's murder on offensive production. Yes, he has massive fantasy upside with his ability to generate rushing yards. And yes, the Bears offensive line didn't really do him any favors in this game. 
but he just can't rack up fantasy points if his offense can't stay on the field because he keeps taking drive-killing sacks. We'll have to see if he remains the starter, but it didn't look great, and he certainly didn't justify uh, Nagy making Dalton stay on the bench. Washington versus the Buffalo Bills. Manuel Sanders is really vibing with Josh Allen because Sanders is the clear wide receiver two on this team. And you might not believe me saying that considering that Cole Weasley had 13 targets, but it's true. Sanders actually led the team in routes with 40. Also, Sanders looks like a great play moving forward in view of a 15.8 average depth of target in this game. We know Beasley would get peppered with targets underneath, but the prevailing thought was maybe that Gabe Davis was ready to take the lead. Instead, it's Sanders with the firm wide receiver two role, which has immense value in this particular offense. That makes Emmanuel Sanders a priority add for your team. Bonus impression, the Washington defense is just not elite. If you're holding on to them, hoping, don't. It's time to move on. Now, I know the Bears offense or the Bills offense is incredible, but Washington defense couldn't even stop New York, who just got stifled by Atlanta. It's not happening. Bonus, bonus impression. Antonio Gibson's second target would have been a touchdown if Taylor Heineke had placed it just a tad bit better. Now, Gibson really should have caught it, but if it was thrown to him in stride, he would have been walking into the end zone for a second passing touchdown. Gibson ran 11 routes in a blowout, so I think he's fine. That role is going to go to McKissick when they're down that much anyway. The fantastic screenplay, though, that he took about 70 yards to the house might be enough to give this offensive coordinator more courage to involve Gibson in the passing game even more. Colts versus Titans. Carson Wentz came into this game with two twisted ankles, and it showed. In weeks one and two, I saw him dancing around the pocket, running the ball, making plays. Here, he looked like a statue. In his best play of the game, he looked more like himself. He spun around some pressure, ran to the left, and completed a deep pass to Pascal. But I just don't think his ankles were strong enough to sustain his normal level of pocket activity. Pittman still saw 12 targets, but only connected on five of them. As Wentz gets healthier, I think Pittman could really make an impact with this level of volume. This might be the buy low opportunity you've been looking for. Saints versus Patriots. Alvin Kamara has become a workhorse. All it took was shipping out every other skill player in New Orleans. Furthermore, I don't think Peyton trusts Jameis any more than he can throw him. So he's trying to minimize Jameis's usage by relying heavy on Kamara. That's great news for Kamara, but it might be time to pick up Taysom Hill, who actually played on the last drive. Bonus impression. I'm not jumping on either J.J. Taylor or Brandon Bolden in view of the James White injury. This offense looks bad even without Cam Newton, and in what we saw in week three, it wasn't clear which one of Taylor or Bolden would have the white role. I would hold off on that. Falcons versus Giants. Despite running only four routes fewer than Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts only saw three targets. Four, if you count a pass interference, which we really should. He didn't see a target until panic mode in the fourth quarter. Now, Arthur Smith brilliantly ran a play-action-centric offense in Tennessee that looks pathetic in Atlanta. Could Matt Ryan be washed? Does a play-action-centric offense only work if Derrick Henry is your running back? I'm not sure, but the offense in Atlanta looks rough, having scored only 48 points in three weeks. Pitts was supposed to be a tight end disguised as a wide receiver, but it just doesn't look like Arthur has schemed much for Pitts. Meanwhile, he schemed plenty for Cordero Patterson. This could change given the full-time play of Pitts, 
might be worth shopping him a little. Maybe you could convince the Hawkinson manager to swap with you after Hawks down week. You probably have to hold given the dearth of usable assets at the tight end position. But I just think that Pitts lacks the skill necessary to be a top tier tight end in his rookie season. I think that's going to take some time to develop like it does with most tight ends. Honestly, Evan Ingram will probably have a better year this year as he got six targets and limited playing time in this first game back. Bengals versus Steelers. Ben seems to have found a new friend in the passing game as he sent an NFL record 19 targets to a rookie running back. It's a great sign for Najee Harris's usage. But I think this has something to do with Deontay Johnson being hurt and Juju Smith-Schuster getting banged up mid-game. Still, Najee was always heralded as Saquon Light during the draft season because he could catch the ball so well. The problem is that the Steelers look atrocious, so he's going to need this insane workload to justify his typical high-end RB2 ranking. Ravens versus Lions. Do I have to talk about this game? Actually, I'm really not that upset. That kick was inevitable. In Detroit, they could probably kick a 76-yarder and it would make it just given our string of bad luck. Nothing's an impossible way to lose for the Lions. Anyway, uh, I don't think you can start Tyson Williams confidently anymore with Latavius Murray receiving more carries and Devonta Freeman actually playing about a quarter of the time. That said, this game was kind of odd from the Baltimore perspective. Baltimore threw 31 passes and only ran the ball 22 times. That's a very inverted script for the Ravens who are normally so run heavy. I'm not saying Williams is worthless. He still played about 50% of the snaps and he got the only running back target of the day. But there is a trend that Hollywood Brown is becoming more and more involved, even with a couple of really bad drops in this game. I, I just don't think we should read too much into this crazy game, but your confidence level is certainly down with Williams. Jets versus Broncos. It's worth monitoring the high-value touches in the Denver backfield because it looks like a perfectly split backfield with a slight edge in playing time going to Melvin Gordon. Starting with goal line touches, Gordon and Williams both saw three goal line touches, both with middling success. They each scored once, and they each had their fair share of negative plays at the goal line. Williams, worst of all, who fumbled on his last goal line carry, so that might be worth monitoring. Meanwhile, through the air, Gordon ran more routes, but Williams saw twice as many targets, four compared to two. Williams receiving a target on four of his nine routes is very impressive, a 44% target per route run ratio. Gordon has the slight edge here, but barely. I don't see this changing, though, at all because Gordon has been so effective. So there's really no reason for the Denver coaching staff to phase out the veteran even if the rookie flashes some dynamic statistics like a 44% target per route run ratio. Dolphins versus Raiders. Jalen Waddle was targeted a lot, 13 times, but to my eyes, Will Fuller looked crisper. Fuller had a gorgeous route on the two-point conversion attempt and another nice, nice route over the middle. Meanwhile, Waddle's routes were really close to the line of scrimmage. In fact, his average depth of target of 2.8 was the 10th lowest dot on the weekend. That's behind even somebody like Cole Beasley. That's not the recipe you want for big fantasy points. But this also may be a symptom of Jacoby Brissett playing. Waddle isn't worth big bucks unless you're in a full PPR. It's possible that Fuller is the better long-term play and he might eventually get more targets once Tua returns. Buccaneers versus Rams. The Buccaneers' backfield remains a disgusting mess. 
Gio Bernard was apparently the correct answer this week as he got 10 targets and converted 10 of those targets into nine catches for 51 yards and a touchdown, although he never saw a carry. Ronald Jones played on only 12 snaps, and Fournette didn't crack the 40% playing time either. My instinct is to believe that this Bernard increased playing time was entirely game script related as the first time the Buccaneers were really trailing significantly, but the Bucs have actually been pass heavy all season. I think the only real takeaway is that Robert Jones or Ronald Jones is droppable. Bonus impression, uh, Sony Michelle was decent in this game while Henderson was inactive. He saw 20 carries and four targets. These 24 opportunities led only to about 79 total yards and no touchdowns. But don't forget that Tampa Bay's running defense is very strong, and they've limited running back fantasy points very efficiently all year. If Henderson were to miss week four, Sony would definitely be in my lineup against Arizona. Seahawks versus Vikings. Alexander Madison is a good player who would probably start on a lot of NFL teams right now. His performance probably scares a few Dalvin Cook managers. Try and sell him with somebody else to the Cook manager. Cook will probably be back soon, but if the Cook manager didn't handcuff Cook with Madison, they're probably kicking themselves right now. Packers versus 49ers. Brandon Ayuk ran 44 routes on Sunday night and scored a touchdown. So the 44 routes he ran in week three is actually more than he ran in the first two games combined. Looks like he's out of the doghouse and he's ready to contribute to your fantasy teams. Thanks so much for watching. I, I hope you enjoy. Now go win some fantasy champions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.